It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Join here a fantasy football expert, player prop expert, Chris Dell. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Mad Journalist. It is M-A-D-D Journalist. You guys could always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. Uh, big game on deck. We got the Super Bowl. Chris and I, this is going to be our Money Picks podcast. Uh, we'll go through all of, all that we can. There's a lot, guys. I mean, obviously, you guys know this. Uh, if you're on your sports books, you see the amount of prop wagers that you can make, uh, game wagers. I mean, it's pretty much all there, coin tosses, Gatorades. I mean, you name it, you guys can go ahead and bet it. But what Chris and I are going to do, we're going to go ahead and give you guys some of the best stuff that we found. And look, it's only Thursday night. You know, there's still stuff that's going to come out uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Chris and I, we're going to go ahead and we're going to They'll continue to go ahead and make some wagers that we think have a lot of value. So Chris will go ahead. He'll update you on, you know, where you guys can find, you know, the newest, latest and greatest stuff. But Chris, you put out a pretty big article with a lot of prop plays already on it. You know, from all the guys that contribute with the betting predators, I I personally haven't had a chance to read that yet. So where could we all find that, you know, just to go ahead and start out before we even get into this pod? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like you said, so many options on the board, endless amount of books you can go through. You could probably spend from now through the end of Sunday, through the end of the game, and you still won't finish looking at all the available props at every single book that's out there that goes without saying. So if you want to get the best bets from the betting predators team, you know, myself, yourself, Steve Reeder, guys like Dave Essler, we got the Hitman as a guest feature best bet on there. All the guys you've listened to on the podcast over the years are contributors from the website, Mean Gene. Uh, Ben Martinez, etc. We've got a lot of sharp guys in there, Coach J-Rod, and even a couple of guest contributors. we got a couple guys from the West Coast Gamblers podcast. Uh, uh, Tony Tony Squares, also known as Tony Cavallo on Twitter. Drew Schaefer, the Sharp Crookston. we got our guy Greg Frank from Map Elite, BC and Houston. The list goes on and on. We basically have 16 guys, including friends of the pod, friends of the website, of the betting predators, and then our own team members that combine What's each person's of these 16 people, what's each person's best bet for the Super Bowl? It can be a game prop, player prop, et cetera. We put that all together in one free article you can access. Just go to bettingpredators.com. You can get that right on the homepage there. And you can also find information about our NBA props package launching next week. So excited about that. We actually might put out a second version because I've had a lot of people hit me up that I reached out to last week that couldn't get around to sending me a prop uh, in the last two days that want to send something in for – Friday uh, for the weekend. I've got some other stuff that I really like that I want to put out there too. So there, there is a strong possibility we could have a second free column and wind up getting to about two dozen best bet props that we're putting out for free on bettingpredators.com. Yeah, I won't be surprised. I know that there's a couple of guys also that already hit me up. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. But Chris, let's go ahead and let's get into some of the stuff here. You know, the current line in this game right now uh, has ticked down a little bit. The Bengals are starting to take some money. Right now, Rams minus four, total 48 and a half. If you like the Rams on the money line, minus 200 right around there, uh, pretty much at most of the books. And if you like the Bengals, plus money, plus 170. Chris, I want to go ahead. I want to start out. Let's start out with some quarterback props. Now, guys, we're going to kind of make the sausage here uh, because, as Chris had mentioned, there are so many books out there. Uh, I'm going to focus on DraftKings right now. I'm going to open up their prop stuff, and I know I'm going to see stuff as Chris is talking and be like, ooh, what about this? What about that? So we'll kind of make the sausage here, but we do have stuff, you know, that's written out that we like. We're going to get to that stuff first, and then Chris and I, you know, we'll kind of just talk through it, and we'll kind of just walk you guys through, you know, what we're seeing right now on the prop board and, and you know, within the bets that we have. 
So, Chris, I do want to start out with quarterback props. Obviously, there's going to be, you know, some of the hottest props, you know, to be bet for the Super Bowl. And look, here's what I'm going to do. A lot of you guys have heard before that I have a pretty big ticket here on the Cincinnati Bengals to win the title, and I'm looking to hedge off. And if I want to hedge, I can go ahead, I could bet the Rams at minus 200. Now, look, I don't really want to do all of that. Uh, I'm thinking maybe Matt Stafford at MVP at plus 120, you know, for a small percentage. There's probably another book out there that probably has plus 140, plus 150, somewhere in that area. So I'm going to shop around. Instead of me making a full hedge on the minus 200 Rams, I am going to play some Stafford. Uh, Right now on DraftKings, it's plus 120. So maybe I'll take 10, 15% hedge on there. And I think that that's one way that I could avoid you know, laying all of my money into the minus 200. I I do think that this line will drop a little bit. So if you guys are kind of in a similar situation to me, um, wait, I would honestly wait. I think you're going to get, you know, maybe a minus 175 might surface. And then if you guys need to hedge, you can do that. But I do think Stafford has some value. I mean, if you go back and you look at the quarterbacks, uh, they won like 11 out of the last 15 Super Bowls. This is more or less, you know, like a quarterback award, you know, when it comes to the Super Bowl. So I will do that. I want to throw that out there first. Chris, I'm not sure necessarily if you agree with that, but I think that that's one way that I can avoid laying the minus 200, and that's kind of, in my opinion, maybe my next best option, or just let it ride. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it's tough, man. Uh, you know, I, I I thought there was value when the line came out at plus four two weeks ago after the conference championship games had ended. I thought that anything plus three and a half or greater was good for the Bengals, and, and I'm not the best at predicting line movement and things like that, especially when my when, when my team's involved. You know, it's a long-time Cincinnati Bungles fan over here, now a Bengals fan. Uh, no more Bungles for me, but yeah, man, you know, honestly, like, I like the Bengals on the spread. It's not something I'm betting really big on, you know, just a few bucks here and there, uh, some alt lines for the Bengals. Like, I, you know, for me, it's like, okay, let me take maybe a half a unit. I'll sprinkle some on the spread. Uh, on the money line and maybe like on an alt line minus two and a half, you know, say they win by a field goal type of thing like that. But I've got, you know, probably 95% plus of my exposure is just going to be on uh, player props, game props for the game, et cetera. The total for me is kind of something that uh, it's, it's really like, I could see it going either way to the extreme high end, low end. So I have not touched the total probably will not make a bet on that. My only concern with the hedge that you mentioned is that this is an unprecedented season on uh, what Cooper Cup has done. And, and, you know, we talk fantasy a lot throughout the year, Sleepy, and, like, Cooper Cup was the fantasy football MVP, undisputed hands down. If you would have given the MVP award based on fantasy football performance, he's the he's the MVP, maybe unanimous, unanimously, like 99%, 1% goes to Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know, and obviously Cooper Cup was even considered as a long shot candidate for the regular season MVP. We all knew he wasn't going to win it, but he was at least in the discussion and I think in this game, like based on what he's done all year, based on his usage, his matchup here on paper against the Bengals, that you know I know the odds aren't great when you look at like what the mathematical chances are, but this is the one year where like Cooper Cup could absolutely win it. You look at guys that have won in the past, like Julian Edelman, slot receiver playing with with, with a traditional drop back quarterback in Tom Brady. Obviously, Deion Branch, you know, with Brady as well back in the day. So. I think Cooper Cup is absolutely live for me. Like if I was, if I'm betting the Bengals, like my way to like get some action on the Rams uh, would, would be to bet Cooper Cup MVP. I I know, I know it got bet down to plus five fifty at some places. Um, I, I don't know if there's much value past plus five hundred, but I, I think there's a, a. I don't know. Like honestly, like I understand the quarterback history, but this is an unprecedented year and what Cooper Cup has done. This isn't a typical 
year between quarterback and wide receivers. I, I think there's honestly, you asked me just just gut feeling. I, again, I don't have the, the the odds calculator next to me, but it should be a lot closer to fifty fifty than plus one twenty five to uh, to plus six hundred between these two guys. That's, that's just my thoughts on that. Just being more of a fantasy lens, fantasy lens, and what this guy's done statistically throughout the year. You can't argue, you know, with what he's done throughout the year. I mean, he was probably, you know, the best wide receiver in the league. Um, you know, if you can get plus 550, look, I don't think there's any wrong with you throwing, you know, a couple percent of your hedge, you know, on that particular play either. You know, if I have Stafford at plus 120 and I have Cup at plus 550, I feel like, you know, if if the Rams win the game, it's going to be one or the other. No, I can't see Cam Akers getting it. A running back hasn't won it you know, since going back to Terrell Davis. I mean, you're going back like 25-some years. So I don't think the running backs will get it. I mean, Darrell Williams, the year when uh, Kansas City won the Super Bowl, he should have actually won – he should have won it. And um, they didn't give it to him. They gave it to Mahomes. So, um, look, I just – I'm trying to come up with ways to to hedge out of a ticket. And like I said, you know, um, some of you guys might be in, a, in that, you know, similar situation to me. So I think that that's one way, you know, that you guys can get a couple percent, you know, in your favor there. Instead of laying that minus two hundred, I guess let's stick with Stafford there, Chris. I have a one. I have two props here. Let me give them to you. Quarterback to be sacked first, Stafford plus one forty. Uh, this is just a pure fate of the narrative, and you know Burrow's been the guy that's you know quote unquote always sacked. We're still hearing um, about Burrow getting sacked nine times. Like you know, I, I came on this podcast and I said, look, I don't care about the nine sacks. That, Kansas City's not going to do that. And everybody that talked about it, they were absolutely wrong. And I was right, you know, and look, Stafford isn't exactly the cleanest guy either. He's been sacked, you know, in every game in the playoffs and the Bengals recorded, you know, four against Mahomes, three against Carr. They only had one against Tannehill, but they picked Tannehill off three times. So, you know, his dropbacks were rather limited, but go back and look at Stafford. Look how many times that guy sacked. It's not, it's not out of the ordinary. And I think one of the things we also have to consider, and I guess this is kind of an unknown, you know, with Higby being out, and Blanton probably going to end up being our starting tight end. You know, how good of a blocker is he? You know, where does he fit into that scheme? May he, you know, go out and maybe he's supposed to block and maybe he goes out and he goes out and runs a route. So I think that there might be some value in there. And look, the narrative is that Burrow is going to be under all this pressure. And, and look, very well, he might be. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Stafford at the plus money because I feel like I am getting some value uh, within the price. And look, I don't. Don't overlook what the Bengals can do, you know, when it comes to their pass rush. They're a sneaky team. They're not going to just consistently just blitz, blitz, blitz to go after the quarterback because they know what happens when that happens. And, you know, go back to, uh, you know, go back to what Mahomes did to them in the first quarter. And then they kind of eased up a little bit and they actually had more success doing that. So I think first quarterback to be sacked, Matt Stafford plus 140. Um, that's on my card. I like that one, Chris. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's kind of where I'm going right there. Well, you know, the interesting thing for this is like we've done so much research on this game from, from the offensive matchup, defensive matchup on both sides here. And you can get that that all for free at bettingpredators.com as well. Our Super Bowl cheat sheet has been live since last week and we're constantly adding stuff to it. I'll probably be adding notes and organizing stats on there probably through Saturday night. Um, and, and there's just a ton of great information. We're just scouring the web best places on the planet for football data, PFF, DVOA, football outsiders, sharp football analysis, et cetera. You know, the, the one thing that I like the most 
from what I found, and this comes courtesy of Sharp Football Analysis, is how the Bengals match up on paper, at least in terms of their scheme against the Rams offense. And this, this is why I like your prop bet there of Matthew Stafford. I wouldn't bet it myself personally, because I think the first sack stuff that could get a little fluky to where you could have a great handicap and then Bengals get the ball first and get sacked. But I definitely think there's value on the Bengals to get pressure and to get sacks on Matthew Stafford in this contest. Now, I'll start off with something simple here is that, uh, Sleepy, I'm going to ask you a little quick pop quiz question here. Now, four teams total in the NFL have three defensive linemen who ranked inside the top 40 in the league in overall PFF grade. Now, who do you think those four teams are? One of them is the Rams. Who do you think those other three teams are? And obviously, I'm kind of leading this one in there, but you might be surprised if you're listening here that you know, of what the answer is to this question. I would say San Francisco, the Colts, and the Bengals. Okay, so obviously the Bengals, you know, I don't think I did it, was definitely surprised to see that when I did see that. Uh, the Packers are actually in that top four. Bengals, Packers, Rams, 49ers, the only four teams in the NFL who have three, three defense alignment ranked in the top 40 in overall PFF grade. And, and we've seen some of these guys – really play well uh, at a high level, especially in key moments throughout these playoffs here for the Cincinnati Bengals. DJ Reader, that guy's an absolute beast on the defensive line. BJ Hill, we saw him make a great tip pass interception on Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game as well. So uh, I really like what these guys uh, have been able to do. You know, Mike Daniels is another one. And then you got the guys on, on the outside edge and Trey Hendrickson, and Sam Hubbard, who have really uh, uh, you know made a name for themselves here, especially among Cincinnati Bengals fans throughout the postseason. So, uh, you know, the Bengals defense is very talented. They a lot of the uh, Bengals received a lot of criticism over the offense, and for myself included as a fan, when they really didn't make a priority of getting offense alignment signings through free agency. Yeah, they signed Riley Reef. That was a good pickup, but. But they, what they did bring in, they brought in Shadobi Awuzie from the Cowboys. They brought in Eli Apple from the Saints. Brought in Trey Hendrickson from the Saints. Uh, they, they brought in Mike Hilton from the division rival Steelers. They brought in DJ Reader. You know, they they made they made a lot of defensive free agent signings, and, and they were very smart about it. Like these are all above average players who have, let's say, possible elite potential, especially when playing all together. And I think you're just seeing like a defense who has so many new pieces. That's kind of peaking at the right time. I mean, you put out the tweet yourself, Sleepy, that the Bengals are number one in the NFL in second-half points allowed. And they haven't allowed more than a touchdown uh, since, like, week 10 of the regular season to just one team, and that was when the Titans scored 10 points against them just a few weeks ago in the divisional round. Obviously, they held uh, Kansas City to three points in the second half in both games against Kansas City, both of those games in the last month. How about this when they played the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah, they lost that game in overtime, but the Bengals were down double digits in that game at halftime or in the first half. They came out, they allowed three points to the 49ers in the entire second half of that game as well. San Francisco scored six points in overtime on a touchdown to win the game. So you know, this is a team that's like, it's no fluke that they're making these second half adjustments. It's not just the Chiefs collapsing. The Bengals have been doing this for like the last two to three months with consistency and they have the talent there as well to make these plays so having said all that I just kind of want to 
I want to kind of use that as like my overall basis of like how I want to go about handicapping some of these individual player props for the Rams offensive players, uh, for Stafford props, et cetera. The Rams are number one in the NFL in offensive passing plays that include five to seven step dropbacks from their quarterback. They really like to drop Stafford back between five and seven pass five and seven steps on passing plays and let him sling the ball. Okay. Now the reason why I say that is that although Cincinnati, you look at the overall pass rush grades, DVOA, football outsiders, PFF, et cetera, Cincinnati bottom half of the league in pressure rate, nothing special. However, again, this court courtesy of sharp football analysis, Bengals rank top 10 in pressure rate, top 10 in sack rate. When teams have between five to seven step drop dropbacks on those type of passing plays, right? So that to me is like what the Bengals do best is what the Rams like to do. So I think this matchup really matches up well for the Bengals. I'm not saying they're going to shut down the Rams by any means, but the sack potential is there. The interception potential is absolutely there. We'll talk about that one specifically in a little bit. But with your sack prop, Trey Hendrickson. The defensive end, you know, made a couple really big plays, wound up with one and a half sacks in that Chiefs game. He has seven sacks on these quote-unquote deep drops this year. That's tied for second in the entire NFL. Trey Hendrickson, the guy they signed from the Saints in the offseason, made one of only three Bengals pro bowlers this year, tied for second in the NFL with seven sacks on opponent deep drops. Those are dropbacks between five and seven steps, which the Rams do at the number one rate in the league. So, I want to frame that all around to say, I like your prop. I would prefer to attack it in some type of way where maybe we look at the Bengals over sack props instead. Um, but you definitely have something there with the Bengals and their ability to get after Stafford in terms of how these two schemes line up with each other. I think that's the problem, Chris, is that when you look at the defensive props, it's like, well, you could take, you know, who's going to end up with the more sacks in the game, the Rams or the Bengals? Who's going to record the first sack? You know, who's going to get the sack? You know, which quarterbacks are going to get sacked first? It's like there's there's 38 different sack props. You know, we could make, you know, 25 different bets if we wanted to. But, you know, I think you do have to be selective. And that's kind of the thing when it comes to and, – and I know you know this, Chris. Like when you're looking, it's like, dude, I can make 400 different prop wagers on this. I mean, there's guys on pregame like Fez. You know, he's going to have probably 50, 60, 70 props. And there's probably a 1,000 that are listed on the board. So – you, know, you just have to be careful. You have to be selective and, and go after, you know, the ones that, that you feel have the most value. I feel like, you know, that, that that there's certainly value in that. And I will say this, and this is just something that just drives me out of my mind. If people actually think the Bengals defense bad, it's like, well, where did that come from? Like what, what told us that the Bengals defense was ever bad this entire year? I talked about it in the beginning of the year. Go back to like week two, week three. Uh, on any of our podcasts, I talked about how the Bengals defense actually was pretty damn good. And a lot of people just are going off the narrative of, of you know, the last couple of years. Like it does take time for the stink to wear off. The Bengals are in the Super Bowl. They don't get here because they have a, a all world offense and, and absolutely no defense. Like when's the last time you remember, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league getting to the Super Bowl. It just doesn't happen that often. I mean, the, the, even when the Chiefs made it with that offense, their defense wasn't exactly the greatest, but it wasn't terrible. So just take – if you're hearing that, just take that and, and throw that in the garbage. That That's just an opinion that, that honestly shouldn't be respected. The Bengals have a good defense. As Chris mentioned, they have one of the best second-half defenses in the entire league. Go back to week 14. That team has has allowed teams to do absolutely nothing. 
they they shut Patrick Mahomes down. He was arguably supposed to win the Super Bowl this year, according to the odds. They shut him down in the second half of both games. They went on the road to Kansas City. They won that game. They went on the road to a number one seed rested team in Tennessee with their best player back on the field. They shut that team down. Look, I think the Bengals have a little bit of a bend and don't break kind of a game plan when it comes to to these games. It's like, you know, we'll play you heads up a little bit, but when it comes time to, all right, now the other team has to, we, we have to do something different here. And I think that the, that the Bengals have that part figured out. And I think what it does is it confuses people. You're making me want to attack this in a certain way. There's four players who have recorded at least one sack for the Bengals during the playoffs. One, they had the safety, Von Bell, who had the, the game-winning interception essentially in the AFC title game. He has one sack, right? Well, safety, probably slim chance he gets that first sack. Bengals especially don't like the blitz a lot. B.J. Hill, the defensive tackle, we mentioned the interception play. He has one and a half sacks. Trey Hendrickson, two and a half sacks. Sam Hubbard, three sacks. So out of the eight sacks, the two defensive ends have combined for five and a half of the eight sacks. You can get those guys, just player to record first sack, Trey Hendrickson plus 500, Sam Hubbard plus 700, B.J. Hill 14 to 1, and then D.J. Reader, who I mentioned earlier, he's definitely a candidate for that as well, uh, 20 to 1 for him. So those are some interesting ways to possibly go about it for some long shot props there. Honestly, like I would prefer to play, I'm sure shop around to see what type of big you can get, but Bengals total sacks, DraftKings has over one and a half, minus 150. Now that's minus 150 for a reason. And two sacks is certainly not out of the question when this team is closer to averaging three sacks per game during the playoffs so far. I definitely think they can get after in terms terms of the scheme that we discussed. So shop around for that. I'm sure you can find a book out there that's maybe offering closer around minus 120, minus, minus 125, minus 125. I definitely think that's an angle you can attack. Uh, you definitely have something there with the sack props for the Bengals. There's definitely some value there. I think with the individual sack props, and this is something that you guys probably want to read up on your book. And look, you can get you can get tagged with a half a sack, and the other guy get a half a sack, kind of like one of those ordeals. You might have to record, you know, one full sack in order to go ahead and cash that ticket. So you know, just be careful. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to just take Stafford to get sacked. I don't care who the hell sacks him, but um, again, just because look, the books they're going to do anything they can you know, to go ahead and make money. And you you really should read some of the rules, you know, with a lot of these props. So um, that's one thing that you certainly want to do. Chris, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play Stafford under his passer rating of 98 and a half. You guys can get that on DraftKings. Uh, it's under the passing prop section. So you have to dig around a little bit. But the Bengals, they've held every team that they've played under this particular number in the playoffs. Stafford interception right now is listed at minus 170. So that makes this prop feel pretty good. And also, look, I think the Bengals will go ahead and get some sacks on Stafford. So that's going to help as well. And look, I think if the Bengals employ that second half defense that they've employed here throughout the entire playoffs, it's going to make Stafford have to throw balls that he's just not comfortable throwing. And look, the guys don't want to get out of their comfort. And we saw Patrick Mahomes. Dude, think about it. Patrick Mahomes went up against this team twice and was absolutely denied and shut down in the second half. This guy's being already compared to to Tom Brady, and you shut him down. The two times you saw him, you absolutely shut him down in the second half. 
So I think you will see some of that from Stafford here too. And I'm just hoping that the Bengals go to that game plan early and often, and it makes Stafford really kind of just get frustrated in this game. And we do see some grounder balls, you know, we do see some throwaways because he's getting pressured. You know, the Bengals are going to go and they're going to go ahead and they're going to look to throw, you know, every look at you that you haven't seen, that you haven't seen on tape. And vice versa, the Rams are going to do the same thing to Burrow. Nobody's going to come out here and have this flawless victory. Um, That's just, I I don't think that's going to happen. Um, So I like that one. Again, the Bengals have held every quarterback in the playoffs under 98.5 passer ratings. So I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to play that. That's more of a pizza bet, Chris. I'm not in love with that one. But it's just, hey, I can't ignore the numbers, and I'm looking for you know passing props for the podcast, and that was one that I found, um, at least that the data kind of supports it. So uh, I'll go ahead. I'll give that one out. As far as other quarterback props, Chris, I don't have any right now on my sheet. I'm sure as you talk, I can go ahead and look over and see if I see anything. But uh, if you have anything else to wrap up quarterbacks or if you just want to kind of just chop it up a little bit on QBs, if there's anything else out there that you like, we can do that too. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of with you there. You know, I'm kind of in lockstep with you on the whole Bengals defense here, having somewhat of an edge against this Rams offense, at least the the, the ability to compete and make key plays just like they've done throughout the entire playoffs. Now, I like Matthew Stafford to throw an interception. You can still get that uh, bet MGM as minus 140. Um, I believe that a couple other books have really steamed it up high. I I honestly wouldn't want to play it past like a minus 150, minus 155, which a lot of book Bet Rivers has minus 155. But if you can get Bet MGM minus 140, Matthew Stafford to throw an interception, I really like that prop a lot. I'm honestly not sure what the opener came out on, but when I was doing my research on this defense again, like I want to take it back to now we were talking about the sack props. Well, let's talk about the interception props because some of the same reasons that lends itself to the bank, Bengals having an advantage here on their defense is also that they blitz on just 18% of opponent dropbacks. That's the third lowest rate in the league for the entire year. That's according to PFF's data. Uh, now, Stafford, you know, we know how good he is against the blitz. We heard that all leading up and in the, the postgame analysis from the Tampa Bay game in the divisional round where, where Tampa Bay, Todd Bowles just stuck to his guns and decided to blitz Stafford, despite Stafford being essentially the number one quarterback in the league all year against the blitz. Now, okay, well, that's fine, but – Stafford threw 18 interceptions this year, and 14 of those came against uh, teams that didn't blitz while playing zone defense. So that's exactly what the Bengals do on more than 60% of their snaps, and that's a big reason why they did that uh, against Patrick Mahomes too. So I I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that we look at Stafford's uh, yards per attempt goes from like 9.5 down to around 3.5, uh, facing this drop eight quote-unquote type of scheme that the Bengals have been running his interception rate against zone slash no blitz is 3.2 percent that's three times what it is against all other defensive schemes he has an interception rate of 1.3 percent that's a pretty substantial difference there and this is the type of defense that the Bengals want to play I mentioned the three defensive backs uh, in this game here for the Bengals, Awuzie, Hilton, and Apple, yeah, none of them are as good in Jalen as none of them are as good as Jalen Ramsey. I totally get that, but when you look at the PFF grades for the defensive backs in this game, let's let let's be clear: the Bengals have three of the three of the best four defensive backs in this game, and it's really not even close. So, um, I really like Stafford to throw an interception. I honestly think this should be closer, like minus one seventy five, 
minus 180 in that range. FanDuel has steamed it all the way down to minus 172. I actually think that's quite an accurate line there. Um, so all those things lend itself to me where I, I think the Bengals will continue to make these big plays. The sack prop over one and a half, despite the big, I think there's value there as well as Stafford to throw at least one interception in this game. So, uh, you know, those are the reasons for me. Like, again, 14 of his 18 interceptions have come against zone defenses, and the Bengals play that more than 60% of the time. They might come out and play that 70% plus of the time and not wait until the second half uh, to make those adjustments like they have in previous weeks. So I, I really like that prop. I think you're onto something there with the, with the Bengals defense here. I made that pick. That was the second prop that I bet. I think I got it probably same number that you did, like minus 140. I'd have to go over. I actually made that wager on Fandle, but I don't have that sports book open right now. Yeah, last thing I just want to bring up, I, I lost this note here. The Bengals dropping eight in coverage means they're literally rushing three. Now, who are the three they're rushing? Well, most of the time it's going to be the two defensive ends, which, as I mentioned earlier, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson. That's a big reason why those two guys specifically have combined for five and a half out of the out of the eight sacks for the Bengals during the playoffs. Now, when Stafford faces through three or fewer pass rushers, he goes from number one in EPA per pass to number 24. So he's number 24 in EPA per pass attempt against this type of this type of defense where they're only rushing three, which most teams in the NFL do not do. That's why a big credit to Lou Anarumo for what he's been able to do schematically for this Bengals defense, especially with those second half adjustments we mentioned, specifically with, with this type of defense here. Stafford's yard per attempt goes all the way down to 3.9 from 9.5. That's a huge drop off. Again, this is around a 50 to 60 snap sample. So not the biggest sample in the world, but when do we ever get big samples when we're talking about an individual season in the NFL? Stafford's completion percentage down to 53% from 74%. Uh, You know, all the numbers say that this is going to be not the type of defense where Stafford plays his best against. You know, what's the narrative on Stafford, Sleepy, if Jaquiski Tart picks off that pass and the 49ers send that game into overtime and the Rams luck out and win the game that way? I think people might have a totally different narrative around Stafford, even if the Rams still win that game. So Stafford's shown the propensity uh, to throw bad passes and turnover-worthy plays. We saw that really a lot towards the end of the regular season. Um, and it just so happens that, you know, wild card round – Arizona just was dead on arrival. And then in the divisional round, he basically got that game handed to him on a silver platter by Todd Bowles, who just who decided to just blitz at will, which is exactly what Stafford thrives against. So this could honestly be, I know it sounds kind of crazy because he's played the Niners, he's played the Bucks. This could honestly be the toughest matchup Stafford's had in like the last two months of football. And, and I truly believe that with, with, with the scheme here and what the Bengals want to do on defense. And I don't even know if you brought up the fact that the Bengals have picked off every quarterback in the playoffs. Uh, I believe that they lead, I believe they led all playoff teams in turnover margin. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I I know when I looked, they were at least second when I looked at at the last time, but I think they're first. Um, So that's something to consider. I mean, look, they, they have guys. And one thing about Cincinnati is their defensive alignment. I don't know who who their defensive line coach is, but he's pretty damn good because those guys are batting down passes. I think we saw one, maybe it might have been in the Tennessee game, um, that was just a massive turnover because those guys constantly get their hands up. They're constantly making it difficult for quarterbacks to throw. They're they're clogging up the lanes. Um, and look, we're yeah, you know, I'm 
rooting for the Bengals. Granted, you know, I, I got a big ticket on them. I hope that they win the damn game. But, you know, full disclosure, Chris is a Bengals fan, and he's going to tell you the way it is, and I'm going to tell you the way that it is. And honestly, I think this game probably goes, you know, it goes two ways. I think the Bengals win this one close or the Rams blow them out. I think that um, that there's a, a very weird variance here, the fact that the, that the Rams are playing, you know, at home in L.A., and I don't know if that's going to have a really positive effect or a really bad effect. So I don't know, um, but that's kind of where my mind's at right now. I'm not betting a side. I don't need to bet the side. Um, why do I want to bet into a line that is just, I mean, it's about as sharp as could be. There's a lot of other wagers out here that I feel that that have plenty of value. And I already have, you know, I have, I'm, I'm stuck with a Bengals ticket and now I'm going to be stuck trying to hedge out, um, you know, so at least I know that I'm not going to lose money. I'm going to make money one way or another. So uh, as of right now, it sounds like Chris and I are, are you know, pro Cincinnati, which, you know, I kind of like that. I think that's a good thing. Uh, as far as other quarterback props, I'm going to go ahead and, and kind of just scale over them uh, as we go throughout. But let's go in and jump into uh, some of the running backs. Uh, let, Chris, I got a lot on Mixon, dude. And I know that this is – it's going to get redundant with some of the things that I'm going to say here. But I'm going to go ahead and give you guys my favorite prop for the Super Bowl. And that's Mixon over 25 and a half receiving yards. He's got five or six catches, you know, in like every game coming down the stretch here. Um, he's just been heavily utilized. And if Uzama ends up playing in this game, you have to wonder how healthy he is. And you also have, you know, the Jalen Ramsey factor where, you know, he could be limiting targets to anybody that he's on. So um, they have to get Mixon into the passing game, you know, somewhat more. And they have to find creative ways to go ahead and do that, whether it would be you know, screens or even maybe a few, you know, a few routes that he's going to run, you know, versus just some dump offs. He's gone over this number in, in five straight games. It's only 25 and a half yards. And I'm also going to go ahead and I'm going to play Mixon over three and a half catches. I mean, go back and look at Mixon's receiving stats, you know, against defenses that are like this, that are going to pressure you. Uh, he always gets four, five, six touches, and he's gone over three and a half catches in four of the last five games. And again, as I mentioned, Ramsey, you know, Uzama, I think that those two wagers uh, are solid, but I really like the yardage one over the 25 and a half. I mean, as of right now, that's probably, I have one more and I don't know if it's on this sheet. Oh, I do want to circle back to one other thing too with a quarterback. I just remembered that I said this on the last podcast and I'm not sure if it moved, but that mixing over to 25 and a half yards receiving, uh, that's probably one of my strongest plays for the, Super Bowl. Here's the prop that I think about for the quarterbacks. And I think Chris will probably remember this. I talked about Joe Burrow and the um, the wide receiver court. Like, they probably have the best hands in the league, if you ask me. Arguably, I think you could put them up against any other trio. And those dudes have just they, – their hands are really good. And it was over – I think it was over 23-and-a-half completions that I gave out on the last podcast. Right now on DraftKings, it's 24-and-a-half. I still feel pretty confident in that, um, that Burrow can go ahead and get, you know, 26. There's, there's a chance he, you know, could end up with 28 or more, you know, you never know. But 23 and a half, I think, was the number that I gave out. Um, I still like that. If you guys um, haven't heard that, I still like that one as well. So I did want to go ahead and throw that out. Now, Chris, I got a lot of other mix and stuff here quite a bit, but I don't want to go ahead and just keep rattling them off. So I don't know if you have any running back stuff, but you can go ahead and take over here. Yeah, I mean, th that was the only 
quarterback prop that I've played so far this week, by the way, is the Stafford interception prop. But, but most of my props, as we talked before the podcast, are around uh, the running backs and the kickers. And we'll talk about the kickers a little bit later, but Joe Mixon, the first prop I played, and I still like it. Uh, it's actually my still, still my biggest bet on the Still my biggest bet on the board, probably tied with one or two others at this point, but Joe Mixon under 65 and a half rushing yards. Now, I'm not sure where the lines are exactly right now. Last time I looked, there were still a few books hanging under 65 and a half, like minus 120, minus 125, et cetera. Um, and Mixon only has 65 uh, rushing yards or more in two out of his last eight games. And one of those games was against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs came in dead last in run-stop win rate, according to ESPN. So... You know, Mixon was going to have success running the ball with efficiency. Now you look at the fact of what the Rams have done on defense. I mean, this is, you know, pretty much you could say the number one run defense in the entire NFL. I know everyone wants to look at the pass rush with Aaron Donald. People want to look at, you know, the secondary play led by Jalen Ramsey, obviously. But yeah, I mean, this is obviously like this number one uh, in PFF run defense, number one in ESPN's run stop win rate metrics. So now the Bengals go from playing the dead last team in run stop win rate to number one out of 32 teams in run stop win rate here. Um, you know, I, I think just overall for Mixon, he's going to struggle to find efficiency. Now, I actually kind of did a little bit of a, I don't know, you tell me, Steve, I don't call this a hedge. This is just according to my projections. Like I have Mixon projected for right now roughly uh, 18, 18 and a half carries. And uh, I have him for uh, between 57, 56 yards. So I bet the under on the rushing yards because I saw a solid 10-yard uh, you know, edge there. You know, Not the biggest of edges, but one that I liked. And I also bet the over 16.5 rushing attempts. I bet a little bit more on the under rushing yards, knowing that obviously I don't see too many – there's a scenario for everything to lose when it comes to betting and props, but I don't see too many paths to both of those props losing. So – I like mixing over 16 and a half carries, but I really like the under 16 and a half rushing yards. The Bengals will come out and try to play. I'm not going to say play it safe or play conservative, but play how they have been playing. A lot of first down runs, keep the pressure off of Joe Burrow to an extent, although they have been a team that's that's passed more in the last two months of the season. Uh, their, run, their run rate overall has dropped 10% over the last few months. So those are just all different reasons. You look at what Mixon has done, even against some really bad run defense over the last two months, Sleepy. Mixon, we would have cashed both these props in the wild card round. Mixon, 17 carries for 48 yards against the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders have one of the worst run defenses in the league. Um, you, you look at what he did, uh, same thing. He would have cashed both these props, Sleepy, in week 13 when they played the Chargers at home. Mixon, the Chargers, the, the worst run defense in the league throughout the entire year, 19 carries for 54 yards. So, you know, again, like, you could wind up hitting the under on rushing yards. Maybe he doesn't get the attempts. You still come out come out positively with those two bets. So that's how I'm attacking Mixon. And I agree with you 100%. I mean, well, first of all, you look at the running props. I mean, Elijah Mitchell, uh, he's the only running back the entire season that's been giving a rushing yards prop higher than 64 and a half. Now, Mixon's the only one. Elijah Mitchell has been get, was, was lined at 64 and a half or higher in all three games that the 49ers played the Rams, and now Mixon. So literally only two running backs all year have gotten that line or higher. And obviously maybe we're getting a little bit of value here because Mixon did look good rushing for about 88, 90 yards against the Chiefs the last time we saw the Bengals play. So those are all reasons here why I like those props on Mixon. And I'm with you 100% on um, the receiving yards. This was opened originally around 29.5, 30.5. I didn't think there was much value. It actually got steamed down by some respectable bettors that I know. 
But now it's gone all the way down to like 24 and a half at FanDuel minus 110. I wrote up an article uh, just the other day saying can mix and make it six straight. And he's gone over this total now in uh, five straight games, uh, 27 plus receiving yards in all five of those games. You mentioned, you know, them using the short passing game as an extension of the run game here. And then you look at the fact that the Rams, you know, they rank like top 10 in DVOA in almost every defensive category. Well, what about the two, Sleepy, the only two categories they rank bottom 10 in DVOA are running back, receiving, and short passes. Number 24 in DVOA against receiving running backs, number 22 in DVOA against the short pass. That means passes that travel 15 air yards or less. Then you look at what the Rams have done all throughout these playoffs. They've given up at least 26 receiving yards to an opposing running back in every single playoff game so far. Even in the wild card round, they gave up 26 receiving yards to Eno Benjamin, the third string running back for the Cardinals, 56 yards to Leonard Fournette, and then a career high 50 receiving yards to Elijah Mitchell in the NFC Championship game. So uh, I, I just I, I love Joe Mixon here with the receiving. I'm, I'm with you on there. He has four plus catches and five plus targets in four straight games as well. So. Uh, I, you know, I, I saw the receptions prop at four and a half. I think I saw some at three and a half juice to the over. So I personally would rather play the receiving yards, but I don't hate either of those, pro- either of those props. I would say strong lean to me if you can get over three and a half catches for Mixon as well. But I'm going to take over 24 and a half. I really like that play there too. I think the one thing that that's been talked about is that the Rams rush defense is, is really good. And I said this in the beginning of the year, it's not. And I'm going to continue to say it now that we're in the Super Bowl. It's like, oh, everybody's like, oh, the Rams rush defense is really good. Go through and look at the guys that they that they had to go up against. I'm going to rattle off the. I'm going to stop me, Chris, when I hit a Pro Bowl player. Not a, not a, not not like an All Star. Any Pro Bowl player. I don't care if he made the Pro Bowl. Here's the guys that they faced this year, and you already mentioned one of them: Benjamin Mitchell. They played Fournette. Now Fournette's not bad. But Fournette was all banged up when he played in that game. I mean, it was basically, are you going to play or are you not? Right? Played him. Then you go back into the regular season. Mitchell again. Played Devonta Freeman. Madison. DJ Dallas. Uh, I think I don't know if Benjamin was in there or Edmonds played for the Cardinals. But still, have I hit an all-pro yet? Uh, I got to go back to the Jaguars with Carlos Hyde. Uh, A.J. Dillon. I mean, you got to go back to the Titans. And Henry didn't even play in that game. I think they had Foreman in there, the Texans, the Lions, the Giants. They haven't played an all-pro running back, really, all season long, unless you go all the way back to, like, Jonathan Taylor or maybe a healthy Fournette back in, like, week three. So, to me, I think Mixon is probably the best running back, the most versatile running back that they that they're probably have seen maybe all year long. So, I think it, it – and look, it's – it's the same as these knuckleheads out there saying that the Bengals' defense isn't good. The Rams' rushing defense isn't all that great. When you're going up against second and third string running backs and guys who were hurt being thrown in there, that has to mean something. And I understand, like, hey, you're, you're stopping these guys. But a lot of the stats and a lot of the rushing stuff looks really bad because the Rams put up a lot of points. They're going to put 30 points up on you. Well, are you going to run the ball with Madison or Carlos Hyde when you're down 30 points? No, you're not going to run the ball. And I don't expect the Rams to be up 30 in this game. So I think a lot of the a lot of the the talk that you hear with with, you know, the Bengals defense being bad, that's wrong. And a lot of the the Rams de- rushing defense being very very good and elite, it's it's wrong. They have an elite pass rush, 
but their linebackers, in my opinion, are weak. And they 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 put so much pressure uh, on the quarterback to get after him that when they do run, they have some gaping holes on this team. And I'm gonna also I'm gonna go ahead and give this out too. I'm gonna play. Let me give out two of them. I think Joe Mixon goes over 13 and a half for his longest rushing yard. Now that's that's one that I like. But here's another one. First running back to reach 30 yards. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play Mixon in this one at minus 110. The Rams all playoffs long. If you go through and you look at their first possession, they didn't even run the ball against San Francisco on their first possession. Out of like the 10 plays that they ran on their first possession against Tampa, uh, only two of them were runs. And if you go back to the Arizona, I think they ran six plays on their first possession. They only ran twice. So it's like almost... 80 20 to the pass. And I think everybody probably remembers like when they played Tampa Bay, they just came out and they were just throwing, constantly throwing. So I went through and I looked and it was like, all right, four plays out of 20 were were rushes. So with that said, if the Bengals do get the ball first, think about the value that we have in this play. Let's say Cincinnati gets the ball first. I'm going to get Mixon on the go. And if the Rams get the ball second, there's a really good possibility that they don't run a whole lot because they haven't shown that, at least in the playoffs, that they're willing to run on their first possession. So let's say that they do go out and, they, and you know, it's pass, 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 run, whatever. Let's say maybe, you know, again, it's 80% of the pass. And then I get the ball again with Cincinnati. I think there's a very good chance, heads up, that Mixon breaks this. But if they get the ball first, boy, I really like that. I just think the line's wrong. I actually think Mixon should be favored just based off the stats, probably by, you know, minus 140, minus 150. I think that line is completely wrong. And I think I found a really good prop with that. People might disagree, but it's in the numbers. Two possessions to your one where you're really not running the ball at, at all. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give that out, Chris. First running back to reach 30 yards. You can get that on DraftKings. Joe Mixon minus 110. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind it. I know, um, I think these running backs are lined pretty similarly at this point, you know, Cam Akers opened around 58 and a half. It was steamed over. I think now he's around 65, 64. So it's almost like minus 110 either way when you can do those matchup props where Mixon versus Cam Akers is going to have more rushing yards. So I see your point here. Absolutely, Joe Mixon's the best running back in this game. Uh, you know, without equivocation, I, I think that that's 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 the right call there. Um, I'm a little less, you know, in, in terms of the, the Rams run defense, you know, okay, maybe they're not the best in the league, although a lot of metrics that I trust do say that. Um, regardless of the opponent, these are schedule adjusted type of metrics that I, I tr- trust for the most part, not, not blindly trust, but at least put some of my stock in. But then in terms of the Bengals run blocking, it hasn't really all been there either. You know, we obviously know the offensive line struggles against pass rush. They haven't been the greatest run blocking unit either. So against the chiefs, you know, it didn't really stick out very much, but uh, you know, obviously, like I said, you know, some of the worst run defenses in the league, the Bengals struggled to run with efficiency against the Raiders, you know, 17, 17 carries, 48 yards from Mixon. And then against the Chargers, I mentioned 19 carries in the 50s for the yardage. So uh, I, I think there's value on those props. And then, I'll, again, like I, I like the receiving prop. Like those are the ways I'm attacking Mixon because of how the Bengals have used them all year, how this matchup lines up on paper. I think regardless of game script, I like these props. Nonetheless, I'm with you. That's like, okay, well, you know, obviously, yeah, the, the Rams are favored by minus four and a half, you know, minus four, whatever it is. But what does that mean? I mean, that means the game's going to be decided by less than six points. That means like the game's going to be a, a toss up almost, you know, within the last three, six minutes of the game. So I, I don't expect game script to get away from either of these teams here. 
so they can kind of stick their game plan what they've done all year where you know these are two of the top you know 10 or 12 teams and pass right over expectation but the the, the Bengals still do like the run on early downs too so um, those are kind of my overall thoughts there I think it's a good point you bring up the schedule and, and what the Rams have faced but I, I still think they're they did really well in, it, in slowing down the 49ers run game, which is one of the top units in the league last in, in their last game. Uh, I think they'll have success, and I think the, the Bengals will need to throw, obviously, to move the ball here, but that goes into the mix and receiving prop, where it's like they're going to need to use the, that short passing game as an extension of the run game here, too. So, uh, you know, I could see Mixon. You, know, you, you have two, Mixon's kind of been banged up these last couple months. Now you give him two weeks off. He's coming off his best game in a long time against the Chiefs in the AFC title game. Uh, I could definitely see him breaking off like a 15-yard run and then being inefficient on a lot of his other carries. So I think, you know, all these props can hit in the perfect type of scenario. And I don't mind that prop as much being that I'm still on the under rushing yards as a whole for 65 and a half. All right. Good stuff. I think, I don't know if I give this one out, Chris, did I give out Mixon over 12 and a half yards for his longest reception? I don't know if I did or not, but no, you just mentioned the longest rushing, the Russian one. Well, I also like the receiving one as well. He's gone over in three straight games. Uh, again, teams like this that pressure the quarterback, um, Mixon has gone over. I mean, go through the year and look at, you know, teams like the Ravens and, and teams like that. Um, the Rams fit the mold and Mixon's gone over um, 12 and a half in the last, what, three playoff games here. And when you got guys like Donald and Miller and, uh, you know, Floyd and those guys, they're, they're, they want to get after Burrow. We know that. And I think that, again, say what you want about, I don't think the Rams linebacking core is very, as good at all, to be honest with you. I don't think it's good. I'll just leave it at that. I don't think that their linebacking core is good. Um, and I think that when you have so much pressure coming from the ends and trying to get get after Burrow, um, you know, if they're running crossing routes and they have some – and I think that the fact that, again, with the Ramsey and Uzama, that they are going to script plays for Mixon. He's going to go over this number. Um, and I'm not going to get into, you know, a whole bunch more with it, but I think that's a really good play. So also went ahead and made that one. Um all right, Chris, I think we're good on, on the running backs. We didn't really touch on Akers much. I honestly don't know what to do with him. Um, it seems like it's kind of a, a one-way train with him. Uh, everybody kind of liked his rushing yards over. I don't know about that. Uh, we heard reports this week that uh, at least McVay came out and said, like, Henderson might play, uh, Sony Michelle might play. Like, if you're looking at a three-back backfield, and look, I think maybe Henderson could get, you know, a touch or two. If he's, if he's healthy and he's ready to go, and they can go out there and, and do anything to confuse Cincinnati because, look, I, this is a Super Bowl. We always see these you know, unsung heroes and these guys that, that you don't expect to go out and, and do something big. And, look, maybe Henderson has you know three or four plays in the playbook. Maybe, maybe Sony has two, and they're going to those plays, and they've been practicing all year long. You never know. You, you just never know. And when I see everybody rushing to the same prop and it's all Cam Akers over rushing, um, that worries me. And I'm not saying he can't get there. Um, he, he certainly can, you know, if, you know, if the Rams are up and he's close, you know, they're going to do everything that they can to run the clock out. Um, you did bring up something before Chris, I'm sure I'll end up being able to get to it at some point, but you got anything on acres? Cause I honestly don't, I just don't want to follow that train. I made a very small, you know, quarter unit play on the opening number of over 58 and a half. Uh, I don't think it's playable anymore. It, I probably might even look for an under now that it's gotten up to 65 and a half just because the more I've dug in, Henderson coming back, maybe even just one carry could go against that type of running back over prop. And look, some respectable guys I know in the industry, I, 
I know a lot that are on Cam Akers over. I know a lot that are on Cam Akers under. I'm kind of neutral on, on Akers at this point. I think the line's been steamed too high. There's no value on the over anymore if, you, if you're seeing 64 and a half, 65 and a half. Again, even when it was 58 and a half, I, I put a quarter unit on it and I, I didn't feel comfortable going any higher. What I actually did bet twice and, and have a much more sizable bet on is Sony Michelle over 17 and a half rushing yards, which I bet the other day at Bet Rivers minus 113. I think a few other books have him between the 17 and a half to 20 and a half range. Uh, you know, Michelle, obviously, like, you know, well, let's just say last week, the first first week leading up to the Super Bowl, uh, Akers didn't practice at all. Michelle got all the first team reps. He had double digit carries in the Niners game, although he was very inefficient. But, you know, no one's efficient against the 49ers run defense. But Michelle for the season is averaging 4.1 yards per carry. And the defenses that the Rams have played in the playoffs so far, these are all opponents that rank in the top four in EPA allowed per rushing play. Uh, the Cardinals, the Bucks, and the Niners, especially the Bucks and the Niners, they're right up there one and two. Uh, the Bengals are more middle of the pack, 18th in success rate in stopping the run, 15th in EPA allowed per rush. So much better matchup. I, I think that both running backs will be involved to an extent here. I expect Akers to lead the way in carries. But I do expect Michelle to play a change of pace role as well. And we've seen his ability to break off big plays. We've seen it in the past uh, in big games in, in the post uh, in the postseason for the New England Pat- for the New England Patriots for Michelle too. So I, I think that with you know Acres obviously barely a month removed from his Achilles injury at this point, with the fumbling issues he had against Tampa, banging up his shoulder in the 49ers game, I think Michelle all he needs is like three, four, five carries. I, I'm projecting closer to like six, seven carries in this game. I think he easily goes over the 17 and a half into the 20s for his rushing yards. I've got him projected for around 28, 29 rushing yards in this game here. I think the Rams have a better, you know, running matchup on paper in terms of the defense here. The Bengals are a team that invites the run. They want you to run on them because they're dropping all those guys, those extra guys back in coverage. So kind of plays exact exactly into what exactly the Bengals want to do on defense. They're another reason why I like the Bengals defense in terms of the matchup for the spread, et cetera. So those are my thoughts overall. I like Michelle over. Don't like Acres anymore. Might try to middle that if it gets a little bit. Let's say the Acres line goes up to 67 and a half on Saturday. The public gets really involved, just bets overs, overs, overs. I see like an eight, nine yard difference. Maybe I will play it back and just kind of neutralize my, you know, my exposure on that play there. But I really like Michelle over his rushing yards. And then here's a spicy one, Sleepy. I like uh, I wrote up an article for this one as well because every book had two and a half except for like two books. And I bet it, uh, I think it was at Fox Bet. Again, shop around, see what you can find. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan under five and a half rushing yards. I bet that at minus 128. I'd probably buy that even up to like minus 135, minus 140. Um, you know, so obviously we know Samaj P. Ryan, backup running back, second string running back for the Bengals, caught the 41 yard touchdown pass. He's actually playing a decent amount on third down and long and on long, overall long down and distance, two minute drill, you know, basically passing back role. Um, P. Ryan has not had more than four rushing yards in five straight games. In those five games, he has six combined rushing yards, Sleepy. He has six rushing yards combined in his last five games. Three of those five games, he had zero carries. The other two, he had one carry apiece. It, it's very likely if he gets one carry in this game, it could go for negative yardage. So I just think with, with Mixon getting more work, obviously getting healthier, uh, I, I think Mixon's going to get like 95 to possibly 100% of the running back carries for the Bengals here. I think P. Ryan would need at least two to three carries in order to get over five and a half rushing yards. So I don't know why Fox bet, and I think points bet had this at five and a half as opposed to two and a half, but really like the under five and a half rushing yards for Samaj P. Ryan. Yeah, those are the ones that scare me the most because I always I always got to go back to the unsung hero, dude. The 
the fact that you, they have to throw different looks at you and kind of, you know, just give you something to, different to think about. It's like, hey, you think they're going to go to P Ryan? It's like you never know. You know, if you know if the Bengals are having long sustained drives, you know, you never know. It, it, it'll it'll be through the. In, in my opinion, from what I've seen, from what I know, from what both these teams have showed us all year, P Ryan's going to if he's going to have a big splash play, it's going to come through the air. And look, you know, you lose this bet, you lose this bet, but I. I think there's tremendous value on the fact you can you can bet under five and a half as opposed to the under two and a half at those other shops. So obviously this is a sweat right until the end. If Mixon gets hurt, you're going to lose this prop most likely. But I, I, my projections show a ton of value on like having a guy projected for like close to zero to one rushing yard, and you're you're able to bet him at under five and a half. Um, I, I really like it. I, I know a lot of people probably wouldn't bet it, but I'm, I'm going to bet that right along with the under for Mixon as well. I'm not saying it's a bad bet. I'm just saying. It, it those worry me. Those are the ones that kind of worry me. Um, the Sony Michelle one, I don't mind at all. And I, I guess we can probably bring this up, Chris. And I, this is probably a conversation, you know, that we should have. I don't think that Zach Taylor at all has any, like that dude is not going to put any kid gloves on Joe Burrow. Like, I don't think he comes into any game with a conservative game plan or a worry um, at all. And I think that McVay actually does because he's been in these types of situations before where, you know, quarterbacks have, you know, choked away the games and, and the defense did this and Cam Akers did that. And it's like, you know, he's been in some games where, you know, he's had to worry um, a lot more than a lot more than Taylor has. And I haven't seen Taylor flinch at all to say, you know what, we're going to, you know, go ahead and, and kind of crinkle up here and, and, you know, play it close to the vest. Like I just haven't seen that from him. And I think that I think that the Rams actually can do that. They can do that early, and I think that there's a chance that they could do that throughout, and that might actually open up Sony Michelle. And I don't hate the backup running back props uh, because, again, I do think that you know that there's an unsung hero. You know, Sony Michelle could have you know two touchdowns in this game, and nobody would ever expect it, and he could end up with 38 rushing yards. You know, you don't know. Uh, we see it in every Super Bowl. There's always some guy that breaks out, and it's like, who's it going to be? Um, and it could be Michelle, but look, I think with what I was trying to say there is that I think the Rams actually might kind of crinkle up here a little bit because that's something that, you know, they just experienced. I mean, they almost threw the game up against Tampa Bay and they almost lost against San Francisco. That team hasn't been exactly stellar, you know, throughout the playoffs. I mean, yeah, they look good um, at times, but look, they, they found themselves in trouble too, um, to where, maybe the coach is a little worried. So it's just, it's something that I want to bring up Just something I just want to talk about there. Uh, so that, that covers kind of the quarterbacks and running backs. I'm sure we'll go ahead and, you know, we'll sprinkle some more in, but Chris, let's keep going here. Wide receiver props. I have one, and this was actually the first one that I bet Stafford um, interception was the second, but the first one that I bet was Jamar chase over five and a half catches. And I got that at like minus minus one twenty. Uh, I saw that all the way up to minus 170, and right now on DraftKings, I think it's minus 135. Look, the Bengals are not winning the Super Bowl unless Jamar Chase has a pretty good game. He's going to have to have at least five, six, seven, eight catches in this game in order for them to win. And the narrative right now is that Jalen Ramsey is going to lock him down. I I have a hard time listening to uh, guys on first take and I have a hard time listening to um, the radio stations where they just keep mumbling the same thing over and over and over again. If you don't think the Bengals are hearing that same shit, 
what are they going to do? Oh yeah, go ahead, Jamar. Just go out there and go. We'll just play heads up on on uh, Ramsey all game long. What the hell sense does that make? Is that a game plan of, of for recipe for success to win the Super Bowl? No, that's a recipe for you to go out there and get your ass kicked. So they're going to do everything that they can to figure out a way to get their best football player on a team the ball, any way, shape, or form. We've seen Chase before. That dude can get open. It could be just quick screens, and we we saw one. I don't know what game it was. I think maybe it was a Tennessee game, Chris, to where it was just let's just get the ball in his hands and let him do something. Let him go ahead and get creative with the ball. And if you know there there comes a situation where like hey maybe he is being locked down a little bit, then they got to get creative. And it's like well let's get him the ball, move him on the other side of the field. Ramsey's going to follow him all over the place. That could be a bad thing. That could be something that the Bengals are inviting because it, there could be a lot of hidden plays in there. You know, it's like, all right, cool. If we know that he's locked up over here on this particular guy constantly uh, all game long, well, then we're just going to do this, and this will work. So I'm not necessarily sure what a lot of people think with that, but I think over five and a half catches has some value. Um, it got steamed up early, and it looks like it's coming back now. And I wonder if that's sharp money pushed it up early, and I don't want to just sit there and say, well, yeah, I bet it first, but – Sharp Money did push that up early. I mean, that was like in like that was the first one that I saw immediately when the props came out, and I immediately bet it. So that got bet like immediately, and now it's coming down. And I don't know. Maybe it's people just listening to the radio. I don't know. I don't know if it's watching a TV set. But now it's all Ramsey, Ramsey, Ramsey going to lock him down. Ramsey ain't locking down Chase, dude. Like name one guy that's locked Chase down all year long. I mean, name one. I don't think you could really name one. So. Uh, I like that one, Chris. Yeah, so, you know, I'm with you overall in terms of the narrative, completely overblown on Jalen Ramsey. People, I mean, we talk about this, you know, every week almost during the regular season, sleepy, like defensive uh, back, wide receiver matchups. I think on the whole, they're mostly overrated. Um, Certain instances, they will lead to me making a bet. Like, I think one of our biggest bets of the year came, like, two or three months ago where Ramsey was playing predominantly in the slot and the Rams were playing the lions. We bet uh, Amon Ross St. Brown under like 37 and a half yards or something along those lines. And he had, he didn't get a target all game. Um, In that case, like Ramsey had no one to shadow. He was just playing his normal position at the time. And you know what I mean? That was one of our best caches of the year in terms of just like, you know, a guy literally getting zero targets when his yards prop was set in like the thirties or forties. But uh, in that case, it worked Uh, in this case. Like I don't want to make it a blanket statement to like that type of bet because Jalen Ramsey, you know, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, obviously the guys behind him, not so great, man. Like these are, I would say borderline average at best, if not slightly below average defensive backs playing behind Jalen Ramsey. And the question for me is not whether Ramsey will shadow chase all game. It's will they, will they need to double chase all game with like zone help bracket help on chase's side of the field? Because if they do T Higgins would have a massive advantage uh, against Darius Williams. I think T Higgins has like close to like six, seven inches of height on this guy, faster receiver, more physical receiver, um, you know, one of the, you know, matchup advantages in our cheat sheet, when you look at our grades at the top of the dock that we have, is the Bengals in terms of their grade by PFF uh, in their receiving. The, the Bengals have the number four overall receiving grade by PFF. 
the Rams actually have the number 12 coverage grade, and that's largely buoyed by Jalen Ramsey. If you take Ramsey out of that equation, my guess is that would drop to like a bottom 10 coverage grade. That's something I'd have to dig a little bit deeper into, but based off what I've seen all year, whereas the Bengals surprisingly have climbed all the way up to number 10. The Bengals are now top 10 in their coverage grade by PFF, so I was surprised by those numbers there. But they do fall in line with a lot of what we've been talking about so far. So the Bengals have a big, uh, a big receiving edge in terms of the receivers, the pass catchers for this team against the individual defensive backs and those back in coverage for the Rams. So I think T. Higgins could absolutely eat in this matchup here, Sleepy. I, I mentioned a few times this last couple of weeks, I've done a few different radio spots here and there. We talked about it as well. You know, as like we're getting into the thick of things here, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, like, you know, there's going to be a lot of public coming in, betting overs, overs, overs. Um, I think some of these plus money values that you've seen on the board for about the last, you know, a week to 10 days, like those are going to go away. And to me, like, I, I think that absolutely the Rams will focus more on Chase than Higgins. That makes Higgins a great value play in DFS. I think that makes him a really good value in terms of his props overall too. So that's kind of where I'm looking here is that like, you know, what if T Higgins starts, you know, terrorizing the secondary and then they all of a sudden realize they have to switch and they put Ramsey on Higgins because I mean, that could absolutely happen. It, it, that, that there's a path to that happening and then Chase can wind up getting his. So I think they're both going to get their targets here. You look at the, the numbers on the year as a whole, I, don't, I won't get too specific, but these guys are neck and neck. It's truly a 1A, 1B type of situation. And Higgins does better. He gets more targets. He's more efficient against zone coverage, which is what the Rams like to run. So, you know, people are going to talk about Ram- Ramsey playing man-to-man on chase, but this is a zone coverage type of defense. And those are the defenses that T. Higgins has thrived against uh, throughout this year here. So that's my overall thoughts there. I, I don't mind honestly, the overall completions for either of these guys, but I, I think there is more value on Higgins. I haven't played a single re- receiver prop yet for either team. We'll talk about that in a little bit because there's no official news yet on Uzoma, even though he's looking like he's going to play. There's no official news yet on Higby, even though he's looking like he might not play. I want to wait until we get the official word there, or at least some stronger news before I bet any individual receiver props, um, which is why I haven't made a play. But the one I have been eyeing is T Higgins. I think there's some value on props for him, like completions, yards, uh, longest reception, things like that. So that, that's kind of where I'm at right now with the Bengals pass catching game. Well, the reports I read today with the tight ends, Chris, is that uh, Higby's probably not going to play. He didn't even practice. He couldn't. He can't practice. But uh, Uzama practiced it. He had a limited go, and according to reports, he's supposed to be a full go tomorrow at practice. And he's already said, "I'm playing," and he's talking about taking bats and chili and stuff like that. So. Uh, I fully expect Uzama to be out there. Now, look, could he be a decoy in a sense? Uh, maybe. He might actually catch the first pass of the game to give you know the Rams something to worry about. Now, when it comes back to Higgins, I think Uncle Dave liked him, Chris, um, and I think for good reason. I mean, go through and look at you know like his last like eight games that he's played. He's had like 95 or more yards, and like, uh, I think it was, what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Five out of his last, actually six out of his last nine games, he's gone 95 yards or more. Look, if Joe Burrow's going into Arrowhead and razzing those fans, what does that tell you about that guy? He don't give a shit who you are. You think he cares about Jalen Ramsey? He don't care about that guy. What do you think he's going to do? There's a chance that he might go after him the entire first drive. Heads up. You against my boy and me, I got you. It's cool. 
That would not surprise me because why are you razzing the loudest stadium in the land uh, for a AFC championship game? Like you either have to have a screw loose and I don't think, I don't think Burrow does, or you just have to have supreme confidence and look, he's, you know, he's Joe cool, right? I mean, he, he don't care. So a lot of the, the Ramsey noise that's going on and a lot of the people, you know, bringing up that narrative, like I understand that it's something that you should consider, but I also think that somebody like Burrow and somebody like Chase, um, that they'll do everything that they can to, to kind of expose that and to go there and, and, and shut them up and make them worry about something and be like, you know what, we, we thought we had an advantage. Uh, these boys came here ready to roll. So I think that that's, you know, that's something that you guys, you know, should consider as well. Uh, other wide receiver props. Look, I, I don't mind Odell uh, over. I think that there's a chance that one thing I notice about Cup, Chris, is, and I don't know, you probably speak to this a whole hell of a lot better than I can. It seems like Cup likes to run a lot of uh, a lot of deeper type of routes. And one of the things I think with the Bengals that that they do really good is they will keep you in front of them. And if Cup's trying to run these deeper routes, I think the guy that's going to benefit the most with what the Bengals do defensively is probably going to be a guy like Beckham. I don't think it's going to help. Um, I don't think it's going to help Van Jefferson at all. And maybe it will, you know, help the tight end, Blanton, who, you know, we want to talk about him a little bit, Chris, too, but can't really find too many props on him. I think the books are afraid to put him out, Chris, uh, right now because he might get pounced on. But I don't hate Odell over. I think there's a chance that he can end up with a lot of catches in this game, um, that he could be – he actually might, he could be the star of the game. You never know. Um, I think the Rams brought him in for a reason. And I think that, I think one thing that just hasn't been mentioned with Odell is look at where his career was, like, like, and, and the quarterbacks he's played with. Like, you ended up with a, an aging Eli Manning and you ended up with Baker Mayfield. This is by far the best quarterback that he's ever played with. And he's playing with him, you know, kind of in his prime on the best team. So, if Odell, you know, if people could hate on him all he wants, but that dude's a good football player. He's a baller. So I, I don't hate anything with him. I don't like the Jefferson stuff. And look, I, I know Cup is Cup's, you know, that dude's badass. But the Bengals have to do something to limit him too, the same as they're gonna try to limit Chase. Um, and I'm just I'm not in love with it. So that's kind of where I'm at with, with the Rams receivers right now. I'm uh I'm definitely pro pro Odell. And if I could find anything, I'm planting, but I haven't seen anything yet, Chris. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I haven't bet any props, like I said, for this stuff. I, I've I've liked whatever tight end was going to be healthy and, and playing a full role. I really want to get behind, especially in DFS for this showdown slate here. But um, you know, Kendall Bland, we talked about him a lot before the podcast started. This, this guy's a 26 year old rookie, basically the same height, same weight, same size as Tyler Higby. Maybe a little bit more explosive. I mean, he looked like it. In the last game in the NFC title game, you know, five catches, almost 60 yards uh, for Kendall Bland, even though the 49ers have been one of the top teams in defending the tight end position all year long. We saw a game earlier in the year where Higby got hurt as well. Uh, Blanton had, I, I believe, three targets, two catches, 29 yards. You know, he, he really hasn't been used much this year, but in the in the games he has been used, like almost all his grades, receiving grade, blocking grade, they all line up very similarly to what Tyler Higby has done this year. So I don't know if it's necessarily a downgrade other than the fact that like, hey, this is a young guy coming in with not that much experience. I think he can make some splash plays. I also think he can make some, you know, maybe boneheaded plays for the Rams just in terms of his lack of experience in general, maybe running the wrong route, his, his chemistry with Matthew Stafford, et cetera. So 
I think the Bengals are going to try to funnel targets to these guys that aren't looking to that really haven't had the biggest roles uh, for the entire season, the entire season or as of late, which are Van Jefferson, uh, Ben, Ben Skoranek, how much he'll play. Maybe he'll run a few routes as a de facto tight end, fourth wide receiver on the field, et cetera. Kendall Blanton too. So, um, you know, very difficult to kind of get my read around that. You know, the Bengals are a team that their best DVOA grade is against number one wide receivers. They're number six in the league against number one wide receivers. Now, that, that's a little bit different. We talked about this in the AFC title game. Like that doesn't mean that they're number one against guys like Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is not your number one receiver who lines up on the outside. This guy spends like almost 70% of his routes in certain games or more uh, out of the slot. So, But he does run those down the field routes as well. So I, I think that the number one wide receiver rank for the Bengals here being number six in the league, that has more to do with their strength on the perimeter. A guy like Shadobi Awuzie has been very good this year and shutting down guys in the perimeter, which would be guys like OBJ with Van Jefferson. However, you wonder, do the Bengals specifically scheme up to maybe give up more targets to those areas of the field and kind of sell out to stop cup to an extent? So it's it's really tough for me to guess in terms of what the scheme is going to be there. Uh, for I do know they're going to try to drop a lot of guys back in coverage like they've had success doing all year, but um, I just don't have a strong feel. I think all these numbers are about right for Odell, for Cup. Uh, for Jefferson, although I really would like to bet Blanton because you look at the one thing that we do know, the Bengals have been a pass funnel type of defense, the tight ends. We cashed our over on Darren Waller pretty easily in the wild card round. Uh, you know, Kelsey had a good game for the Chiefs in the, in the AFC championship game at a couple big plays. I think that Blanton, like if I see him lined anywhere below 30, I probably will maybe consider putting like a half unit on his over. I would really love to see like a line around 26 and a half up to 28 and a half. I would really like the over there. Uh, you know, we, we talked about where if I was lining it, I think a proper line would be more in like the mid thirties because you look at last week. I mean, the, the tight end for the Rams, like the Rams tight end position combining Higby, Higby got hurt in the first quarter, already had three targets, two catches. You combine both those guys. Like you're talking about a starting tight end that had eight targets, uh, seven catches for like almost 70 yards in that game. So I think there's that or, or 75 plus yards, excuse me. I think there's absolutely value on the Rams tight end to have success here. So I am keeping a very close eye on Kendall Blanton. Uh, my guess is that that could be steamed pretty quickly because the news is going to pass around. Hey, Higby's not playing. Oh, the number for Blanton's too low. Let's bet that up. So I'd probably bet that up to like, you know, I, I really wouldn't like it in the thirties too much. I, my guess is that it's eventually going to like, I would think the line's going to close maybe in like the mid to high thirties could be wrong there. But uh, I would like to bet it if it's anywhere in the 20s, in the mid to high 20s. I do like the over for him there, just in terms of Bengals. Number 20, 24 in DVOA against tight ends. And they've given up a lot of big games to opposing tight ends throughout the whole season. Well, I think it's hard to not like that one, Chris. I mean, you saw what he did against San Francisco. You take that guy off the field, I don't think the Rams win that game. I mean, that guy stepped up in some crucial moments. You know, it's funny, Chris. We sat. How long did we sit here and go through and we were looking? I'm like, when did Higby go out of the game? And we never even brought up the fact that, you know, Higby went out in the first quarter and that's when Stafford was sacked. Um, and that's why I was questioning, you know, what, why hasn't Blanton played all year long? And I thought maybe it had something to do with, you know, maybe the fact that he's not, you know, a premier blocker. And maybe that was one of the reasons, you know, but that was just something that we, I thought that we should have brought up that we actually went through, did the work and, and completely forgot. Why don't we talk about some kicker props here, Chris, because these have been – you know, something that a lot of people have been talking about. People think that there's a lot of value in them. Uh, you hear a lot of people talking about McPherson. You hear a lot of people talking about, 
um, that Matt Gay came up, you know, short in one of the games there. I think it was the Tampa Bay game where he came up short in a 47-yard field goal. Uh, so a lot of people, you know, clamoring to to McPherson. And, look, I think that we can probably buy into some of it because we saw proof that the Cincinnati Bengals have no problem trotting this guy out there. Like, he's got ice in his veins. Are you ever going to hold this guy back from going out there and, and you know, maybe attempting a 51 or 54-yard field goal when he's just been lights out? You're here because of this guy. If he don't make kicks, you're sitting home watching the Super Bowl. So I think you have to trot him out there. Now I'm going to go ahead I'm going to play which kicker is going to have the most points in this game. And McPherson is actually minus 110, which is absolutely surprising to me. Um, and you can get that right now. You can get that at DraftKings. If I could get two field goals from this guy and two touchdowns and two extra points or whatever, I, th- I feel I'm really solid here. Like I said, the Bengals are not afraid to try him out. And look, if, if Gay is coming up short, 47 yards, you got to wonder. I think the the most important thing here with this particular prop is that we do everything that we can in our power to read up and especially on game day, like these guys are out there, like the kickers are out there. Um, they're, they're going through warmups in warmups. We want to see if, uh, if we can find that information or whatever, we're going to have a lot of pictures, you know, with, uh, you know, the field and things like that. And just see if you could take take notice of where you know where these kickers are lining up during their pregame warmups. And look, it might be information that's hard to gather, but it also might be information that's just right there, right in front of your face. And if we don't see you know Matt Gay back there kicking fifty five yard uh, warm up attempts, then maybe there's something there. I don't know, but I do believe that McPherson probably ends up with more points uh, in this game. And to that, Chris, I'll go ahead. I'll throw it over to you. I know you have a bunch of kicking stuff, but that was the only thing that I really had uh, as far as kickers that I kind of liked. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. I, I think I haven't done the exact math, but I, I want to I say about 75% of my total Super Bowl card and portfolios either on kickers or running back props at this point. It might stay that way. I, I think there's a lot of value here on Evan McPherson. I mean, we've seen now seven straight games with multiple field goals made. He's averaging three-plus made field goals per game over his last seven games. The Rams have one of the top red zone defense in the league. We get great weather, obviously, playing in the dome, but we also get the great turf, too, in terms of the artificial turf there. So I, I think that those are just extra reasons, like cherries on top for me, the fact that the Rams have a really good red zone defense. The Bengals have shown to be you know, pretty conservative, you know, all levels of the field. You know, They're kind of an offense that takes what the defense wants to give them, and Joe Burrow's done very – done a very good job of doing that. So I, I also don't mind sprinkling a little bit. Like you can get McPherson over two and a half made field goals. I think around plus 200 or better. Uh, even if you want to play, hey, look, this guy's had four field goals made sleepy in all three playoff games to the Bengals. Like, I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think that, I don't think that's a fluke. So if you want to sprinkle a little bit on over three and a half field goals made, hey, he's going to do it again. You can get about 10 to one odds on that right now. But for me, this is like, this is my, one of my two favorite props of the entire week for the game so far. Obviously, I mentioned the Mixon prop that I liked earlier, but I've got the most exposure on Bengals. There's a couple books that have this worded differently now, but Bengals over one and a half main field goals at DraftKings minus 115. Uh, I believe also that McPherson just needs three three made field goals in this game. He will break Adam Vinatieri's record of field goals made during a single postseason. So the fact he's coming into this game 12-12, four for four in all three games. This kid has ice in his veins. 
Zach Taylor is going to trust him to go out there and kick balls from between 55 to 60 yards, which he's hit a lot of those with consistency over the course of the season. So all those reasons alone is why I, I really like Evan McPherson uh, to make those in this game here. Uh, and, and I will also say for McPherson is that um, when you look at what he's done throughout the season, I think he's a guy where he's shown, like, even if he misses a kick, like, I just don't expect this guy to fold. Like, he could miss two field goals from long and then hit, hit a couple 40-yarders and, boom, you still cash even if he goes two for four. So I think the Bengals will, the way that the Rams defense plays in terms of limiting opponents in the red zone, the way the Bengals have shown, hey, we'll take the three points. Give it to us. Uh, those things all lead to the, all lead to Evan McPherson here. So that's my – I have a few other kicker props that I like, but that's a big reason why this is my favorite prop so far. We actually have Sleepy on, out of the 16 props, 16 different guys, 16 different props in our Palooza column. We got a triple best bet on this play. Steve Reeder, myself, and Mean Gene, Gene Lesser. These are – each of the three of us, this is our favorite bet for Super Bowl for the Super Bowl this weekend. All right. Well, that's awesome. That kind of makes me feel pretty good there. Uh, And look, the fact that you guys think he's going to make a couple here in this one, I went ahead and I played this one. This is a crazy one. Uh, So look, just pizza bet this one. Will there be a score on the last play of the game? This is what I would do. I would play, will there be a kneel on the last play of the game? I would bet that. And I would also bet this prop as well. Because if there's not a score... Well, then there's a very good chance that, you know, that, that there's probably going to be a kneel down. But you could get 12 to 1 on this. What has McPherson done throughout the entire playoffs? Kicking game winning field goals. So I think there's a chance of that happening. I also think that if there's a team that's down, you, you, you have the Hail Mary try. And if there's a team down and they have the ball, there's a very good chance that you end up with, you know, some crazy lateral. Um, where they score again too. So at 12 to one, I think that's worth a pizza bet. And I would also go ahead and play, will there be a kneel down on last play of the game? I would play that at yes too. And I feel like, yeah, we're going to eat some Vic here, but maybe you hit a 12 to one ticket. So um, it's probably unlikely that that's going to happen, but I think it's tough to deny, um, you know, if McPherson's out there with three seconds on the clock, they're going to trot him out there. Even like, as Chris said, if it's from 54, they're sending a guy out there. Another thing I'll add to that sleepy, the three other kicking props that I really like a lot is Bengals to make longest field goal. Uh, the best odds I found were at bet 365. They actually had minus one Oh five. There's a few books I saw that had this at like minus minus one seventy. So that that's the advantage you can have. Like even I tried my best. Usually I'm shopping like, let's say a half dozen books during the course of the year for player props. I only have so much time in a given day. Usually you can get it still get a pretty good edge. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at like a dozen to a, a Baker's dozen, like 12, 13 different books for this game. And I really like Bengals to make the longest field goal here because we saw what happened with Matt Gay. He missed that 40 yarder in the 49ers game also hit a 40 yarder as well. But you know, McPherson, you look at the long field goals he's had o- o- over the span of like the last like seven, eight, 10 games. Long field goals made, 52 yards, 54 yards, 51, 54. He had a 58-yarder in that stretch too. So Evan McPherson, man, like he's been money. There's a reason why they call him Money Mac McPherson here. So I think that Bengals' longest field goal, because of the conservative play calling, 
by Zach Taylor, willing to trot him out there, whereas like maybe McVay has a little bit of hesitation on Matt Gay. Also, the fact that we, we're, look, we're looking at a, better, at a better matchup in terms of the you know Rams being able to move the ball a little bit. Maybe they don't get stuck as early as the Bengals do. So I like Bengals to make longest field goal. I would personally line this probably like around like minus 140, minus 150 myself. I think there's a, a good edge if you can shop around and get something below minus 120. Um, here's the, I also like McPherson. You can actually get him over one and a half field goal attempts. So I'm going to add that to my over field goals made. I think absolutely they're going to have McPherson come out there for two. The only way you're losing this is if like the Rams like pitch shutout, which I mean, as good as their defense is, I just don't see that happening. So McPherson over one and a half field goal attempts. I found that at bet us minus 140 uh, shop around. You could probably find similar lines out there as well. Uh, and then both teams to make a field goal of over 32 yards. Pinnacle has this at minus 122. I, I really like this because Gay has hit a long field goal of 32 yards or more in 10 of his last 12 games and four straight games. And with the Bengals dropping eight men into coverage and rushing three, rushing four, like they're, they're going to try to keep everything in front of them and bend but don't break. It, and that could lead to even more field goals for coaches that have, have two of the best kickers in the game here. And, if, you know, Matt Gay was one of the best kickers all year long. He actually had a higher – uh, you know, ki- uh, kicking percentage in, t- in terms of made field goals than McPherson did for the season. So obviously, you know, he's been hot. But uh, again, like th- these are all props that I really like. I think you can go about attacking them in different ways. And the thing is, like you look at the kicking props point, they, uh, the, the kicking points prop that you mentioned, Sleepy, like a lot of books have that like minus 140 for McPherson. But I'd rather just take the McPherson over one and a half field goals made in that case. If you can get minus 110 on that. So, you know, the fact that the books are lining McPherson juice to the over for the kicking points that makes me like Bengals longest field goal that makes me like bangle uh you know mcpherson slash Bengals uh over one and a half field goals made over one and a half field goal attempts like i've got a combination of like six six uh seven different props prop bets on these variations uh derivatives so to speak uh and i think it's for good reason because like even doing my fantasy rankings throughout the year i rank kickers every single week and i would tell you matt gay was in the matt gay was in like the top three four five almost every single week during the regular season. And McPherson made his way into the top 10 for probably like the last 10 straight weeks of the regular season as well. So two of the best kickers in the game, two coaches that have been shown that they're they're willing to be conservative at times, come from the same coaching tree. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of field goal attempts and a lot of field goals made. I also bet over three, flat number there. You can get like plus, plus 110 instead of taking like the plus 125 over three and a half. Kind of just, you know, playing a little conservative there. But these are all props that I like. I think you're going to see field goal attempts on both sides. And I trust McPherson more at this point, just the, the unknown slightly of Matt Gay with that injury. Although again, again, like I don't think the injury is going to prevent him from making a 32 yarder or a 33 yarder in this game. So th- those are the kicking props. I like the most in this game so far. All right. Good stuff there. I think that we, let me at least bring this up and, and talk about this for a minute. Cause I think it's important. You know, in the beginning of the podcast, we talked about, you know, that there's a, a thousand different props and, you know, one prop could lead you into another that can lead you into another that can lead you into another. You know, Chris just explained that beautifully, how he likes a bunch of McPherson stuff. And I think it's important. First off, the first thing that's important, if you're in a state that has multiple sports books, if they if you are if you're in a state that has five or six sports books, you should belong to all of them. If you have if you're in a state that has multiple sports books and you only have one, you're doing this all wrong. You need to shop in the Super Bowl. The, you're going to hear guys like, Hey, I like Cam Akers over 58 and a half yards. I like this guy over this. Guess what? A lot of those guys, they're playing them back because the lines are all out of whack 
and they're waiting until, you know, an hour or two before kickoff. And it's like, now they got these nine yard middles. They got these, you know, 20 yard middles on some of the quarterbacks. Like there are massive middles and guys don't want to, you know, go into a Super Bowl where, you know, they have 60 props on their sheet and the game just goes really bad and they end up getting clocked. They could ruin their whole year doing that. And with that said, going over to Chris's thing, like where one prop could lead you into another, that's all good and fine and dandy. And I hope Chris does really well, and I hope he hits all of those. But it's really important when you start getting into the Super Bowl and you start getting to you know, more than just a couple props that you really like, that you really start grading them out. And you're like, you know what, this is this is my favorite. This is my favorite. This is my favorite. And maybe it led you into, you know, this next one and this next one that kind of uh, more or less, you know, the correlations are starting to show up. Start grading them. And if you start grading them and take some time, you're going to start going through and you're going to think about little things that are going to go, you know what? I like this one so much more than this one. I don't really need this one. Or that's when you really start dialing back and you start managing your money. Now, one thing we don't talk about, no, on this podcast is money management. And this is like a perfect example of, of times when you should do that and when you should really rate your plays and you should be out there shopping around to go ahead and get the best numbers. If the Super Bowl was every day of the year, th- this is one thing you would hear this over and over. You would get sick of hearing it. And the fact that the Super Bowl is here now, we don't talk about it throughout the year uh, because we do talk about it, you know, at times. And hopefully, you know, our listeners are smart enough that, you know, that they listen to us throughout the year that they kind of know this stuff. But this is for, you know, the people who are jumping on a Super Bowl podcast because, like, look, this is the biggest bet game. You have a lot of people who don't bet throughout the year probably listen to this podcast for the first time. What I'm trying to tell you is just be careful. You know, listen to what I just said and and things will be okay and you're not going to get clobbered. And that's the, you know, that that's one of the important lessons. You want to have a nice uh, Super Bowl Sunday where, you know, you don't get blistered and, you and, you know, you wake up to work Monday morning and everybody's making fun of you because, you know, you lost, you know, $3,000 or something like that. Like, you don't want to you don't want to be that guy. So don't be that guy. But, um, Chris, you were talking about crazy props. I don't know if you have anything like that. Um, we could do a recap of our strongest one if you want to do that. But I don't know if you have anything crazy, if you saw anything out there. Here's another thing. I'm going to get I'll get to this, Chris, right after. You go ahead and, and, and let me know if you have anything crazy or if you just want to recap your uh, your strongest one. Or a long shot. We haven't given out any long shots, I don't think, yet. Well, it, it it's good. I think it's perfect you say that in terms of a segue, in terms of what you just gave out, which is great betting advice, bankroll management. You know, we, we write this. We have a betting strategy call, uh, column that we write for our betting predators, premium subscribers for the NFL all year long. And, you know, a lot of those articles have to do almost – Every single week, we have some type of aspect of bankroll management in, in those columns. And, and for me, like, it, look, like, I, I, as a listener, like, I'm going out of my way to listen to like as many of the uh, as many Super Bowl betting podcasts and reading as many Super Bowl betting articles as I can over these last two weeks because I love digging into the numbers. I love doing my own research. I love listening and reading some of the best guys in the industry that I respect and that I trust. But it absolutely can get overwhelming. It is overwhelming. Uh, you know, I, I'm still like knee deep in a lot of stuff I haven't even gotten around to yet. But what I will say is that like a lot of these props we're talking about here, you know, what I do with our subscribers is that, you know, I assign, you know, a, a unit size recommendation to each prop. And, I, and what I will say is like, let's say I wind up with about 30 different prop bets for the Super Bowl. Right now, Sleepy, only two of the pro- only two props that I'm on, I bet a full unit on. So I'm spreading out my exposure here. I don't want to correlate everything together because you you 
you make like what one big expanded correlated card and all of a sudden the game script goes differently in terms of how you're expecting it to go and you could lose a large majority of those bets so for me i'm looking at edges and projections matchup edges on paper that we've been talking about throughout here about half of my card is like quarter unit bets another quarter is like half unit bets and then i have a couple where it's like three quarters of a unit where the juice is like minus 120 minus 130 i know if i lose the bet it's almost like the equivalent of me equivalent of me losing a unit so throughout the year i'm betting props like between a quarter unit uh, up to like two units like i rarely go over two units for any given prop unless it's like a home run bet like we bet in week 18 with darnell mooney i might have thrown like three units on that one for example but you see some people giving out like five star plays four star plays things like that i i get it but I tend to play it a little bit more conservative because I know there's so much variance in this. You you can work your ass off like 24 seven and still get everything wrong in a given week in football. It's football. That's the sport. That's why we love it. That's why we love doing this. Right. So for me, I have not bet a single prop sleepy that doesn't have a yes, no, or an over under. And we haven't even talked about that. I know you mentioned the Stafford MVP prop. Like that's probably the only thing we discussed that there isn't a no for that. But that's that's my approach to the Super Bowl. That's typically my approach week to week. And uh, there, ju- there is no long shot prop that I like right now. And I don't know if I'm going to bet one, to be honest. I think if I do, it's, got, it's, it's probably going to be like a commercial prop or like some type of silly like halftime show prop or something like that. You know, and I'm probably more willing to bet something like minus 300 than like a, a plus 150. But I'll tell you what, Sleepy, I've listened to a lot of podcasts this week. And I will warn people. Again, we have a lot of sharp people listening to this podcast. But there are some... Very popular betting podcasts out there that are spewing out a lot of plus money props that could really damage someone's bankroll if you're not smart enough. Like, oh, I really like this for plus 800. You know what they want to do? They want to hit one of those, and then they're going to blast it all over Twitter and blast it all over the podcast and promote themselves. Like, oh, we hit this 12 to 1 prop. And what they're not going to really talk about is the fact that they lost like seven other plus money props that they bet and they barely get broke even if anything that might have even lost money on that whole card that they put out so that's my approach to long shot props uh maybe i'll put some out on twitter for fun if i like it i'm going to try to put out my own personal uh top player props column uh sometime saturday or sunday if i can get around to it um you know i want to include write-ups with those obviously buy prices etc so um you know that's just my overall thoughts bankroll management strategy uh, for the game, uh, no, you know, I got a couple plus money props, but they're all props that have to do with a yes or no. Like I like Bengals third quarter money line plus 140. Um, you know, we talked about the Bengals, you know, being the number one defense in second half points allowed. Uh, the Rams have been outscored 25 to 14 in the third quarter, just in the postseason alone. And have been kind of in the bottom of the league throughout the entire season in the third quarter. And we've seen the second half adjustments that the Bengals have made. So that's a prop that I like a lot. Uh, probably the, the the most plus money I put down. I mentioned T Higgins over five and a half catches plus one ten. I strongly lean that way as well. Uh, but that's that's it for me in terms of long shot. Like uh, the plus plus one forty is the highest I've gotten so far. All right. So with that said, I think it's important to bring this up, Chris. And this is kind of you know going into what you're saying. Um, like, look, guys, these books they're they're doing anything to kind of lure you in, and this is like. I don't want to say this is for the better who – I don't want to say that this isn't for the better that doesn't know what they're doing. This is for the better that actually understands betting, as in what plus, you know, 2800 is going to get you. You understand where that's going to get you, you know. A dollar is going to get you 28 bucks. But I want to go through 
and I'm not just calling out DraftKings because this is every book. This is their business model. I understand it. They're here to make money. And if they're not making money, well, then we have nowhere to bet. But you can find wagers. Let me just give you one. Joe Burrow to throw for 375 passing yards and Jamar Chase and Odell Beckham to each record 100 yards. Now, just think about that. I need Burrow to go over his number by like almost 100 yards. I need Beckham to go over by 50. I need Chase to go over by 20. And I need all three things to kind of happen. And they're like, and we're going to give you, you know, 22 to 1 on that. They are robbing you blind. One, you're, one they have you plug in a parlay in, and they're giving you the worst numbers. And not only that, they're just robbing you blind. Like, if, if, you, if you see wagers like that, and you're going to see them out there, just assume that the, that the odds should be probably doubled on almost all this stuff. They're holding so much money on these goofy props. And look, people are going to bet them. And that's why they have them there. Because if they go out, and let's just say it's a situation that occurs like go maybe the Eagles Super Bowl, okay? The Eagles and and and, uh, and the Patriots Super Bowl, where Nick Foles went out and, and Brady went out and they had 500 yards passing and everybody went over. If they didn't have these type of wagers, they would have lost that Super Bowl probably just on props alone. They probably wouldn't have made any money. They, there's a very well that they might have been, you know, in the red. But it's these type of props. This is where they make all their money is on these junk props, needle in a haystack props. Like Chris said, the yes, the no, the over, the under. Those are good props. You know, those those are that's where you want to be. You don't want to be on these goofy props where they are where they're parlaying stuff. And I know the odds look all juicy, but I'm telling you, you're getting ripped off. And this is a, a surefire way for you to lose money in the Super Bowl. And look, they're doing it with the NBA. They're 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 selling these four uh, four player prop parlays where oh, if Giannis gets thirty and ten assists and this guy gets it, like those are just so bad to bet. They're they're absolutely horrible to bet. You don't want to do it. Um, make your own parlays if you want to, and you're gonna end up you know, finding a better price more than likely. So, um, and, and I, I actually did that Chris one time I went through, I looked at one of the parlays that they had uh, on the back end, and then I went in and I was betting the alternates and stuff like that and plugging them in. And the prices were just drastically different. And I'm like, they're just robbing people blind. So, um, and again, that's their business model. They have to make money. They don't want to get crushed. You know, they could lose, you know, on this particular game, there's billions being put into these sports books, especially somebody like a FanDuel or DraftKings. So they're doing everything they can to get people who are suckers to bet these type of plays. And I'm not saying, look, throw $5 down, have your kid pick one off off the board with their eyes closed or something like that. That's fine. But if you're making a regular normal size wager on shit like this, you should just stop betting because you should. <laughs> yeah. Not- I, I, you know, I, I went up to the old lady and I was like, I was like, Hey, I'm like, uh, look at my computer screen. Look at my computer screen and randomly point to an empty, an empty square on this page here. And I, I, I put in twenty bucks for a Super Bowl squares contest just for fun that we can keep track of throughout the game. You know, completely innocent type of type of stuff. I know it's purely for entertainment. You know, obviously sports betting for the most part is for entertainment, but a lot of us are trying to make some money off this on the side. And uh, I, I simply don't want to bet my money on a lot of these odds, like you said, that the true value is just not there. Uh, you can go to like websites like unabated.com, even covers.com websites like that. Like they have actual uh, money line parlay calculators where you can put in like the individual legs for all the bets you like and see what, what the true value 
of a single game parlay is. And in FanDuel, for example, for, for like, you know, the one type of bet, Sleepy, that you that you want to make in a parlay would be like, hey, let me take, for example, let's say you, you're really strong on Cooper Cup winning uh, Super Bowl MVP. And you're like, you know what, give me Cup MVP, and I want to parlay that with Cup over 105 yards and over eight and a half catches. Because most likely, Cup's going to need to hit both those to win MVP. And if you put them all together, be like, oh, well, that makes sense. Because if those things happen, he's has a very strong chance to win MVP. You're not going to get the real odds for that type of prop. You can't even bet MVP as part of a single game uh, parlay on FanDuel right now. So I know those are like the buzzwords that like a lot of these prop bettors on Twitter, a lot of these guys I respect, some of them go a little bit overboard, in my humble opinion, on these single game parlay type of bets. When they hit them, you know, they get extra followers and they, they scream about it on Twitter. But a vast majority of these single game parlay bets are losers and you're not winning in the long run. So until these books make every single bet available to put into a single game parlay type of bet, until they improve the odds that they're giving you at the end, I don't think there's much EV in them at the moment right now. I hope they evolve in the future because maybe there could be some value. Right now, to me, there's not. And for example, like someone said, hey, my best bet is uh, both quarterbacks throw an interception. And he's like, just parlay it together. I did the math on, on, on a piece of paper. It should be plus 190. So what I did was just to double check the math before I put it in our column was I went to the uh, DraftKings, went to FanDuel, went to a couple other books. They wouldn't even allow me to put those two into a parlay. They would not allow me to put Burrow minus 150, Stafford minus 145 to throw interceptions. And then I did it on BetMGM, and I did the math on the parlay calculator and says I should have got plus 190, put it into MGM, they gave me plus 170. So automatically losing 20 cents of value there. So that's just overall as a whole, like I will not be, I will not bet a single parlay in this game. Maybe I'll have a couple fun long shot props with like some commercial type of stuff at the end of it, but just to have some fun. But I want to win some money and I'm going to bet 99.9% of my props are going to be on yes or no or over-under type of stuff, and, and that's where I'm at right now. Well, I'm kicking myself in the ass tonight, Chris, because I really like Luca tonight uh, with the fact that it, I don't. I know you guys all heard that Porzingis got traded. I'm like, this is like a perfect night for him to like get like 40 points and have a bunch of threes. And I thought about putting a parlay in, and I got busy doing stuff for the podcast. And here Luca goes off for 51. He has his like career high. He had like seven or eight threes. I'm like – Come on, man. You got to be kidding me. So, guys, when you think it sometimes, sometimes you forget to bet it happens. But more than likely, you know, those things, uh, they're not going to pay off in the long run. So, uh, Chris, with that said, I think we got enough here. But here's what I will say, guys. We got punting props. We got kicking props. Uh, we got defensive props, guys who get tackles, uh, sack props. I mean, there's a, there's so much more that we can go ahead and talk about. But, look, it's, it's Thursday night. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. Chris and I kind of put together everything that we had now, but I'm sure we'll have more stuff. I was actually thinking about uh, maybe doing like a live on Sunday, uh, maybe like three hours before the Super Bowl. A lot of you guys will be punching in, uh, you know, your wagers there. Let me say this again. If you guys are waiting until a half hour before the Super Bowl to put all your bets in or to do your hedges, you're 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 asking for trouble. These sites are all going to crash. It's like it, it's it's insane how much action these guys are taking. These sites will crash. So start getting your stuff in early. And look, if Chris and I have any anything else to give out or any of the other guys, we'll try to put an article together. We'll try to do another podcast for the Super Bowl. But if Chris is available and I'm available or whatever, maybe we'll come on, you know, like uh, three hours before kickoff or something like that 
maybe we'll go ahead and uh, we'll give you guys some other stuff live and you guys can go ahead and, and punch some stuff in too. So we'll see. I'm sure we'll have some more stuff as Chris said, but if you want our full card uh, from all the props I'm going to be betting as well as uh, our, you know, in, in uh, resident in-house NFL handicapper, Steve reader, he, he's been hitting his bet, best bets on the NFL for size totals teasers uh, for almost the entire year. He's, he's done an excellent job. He's one of the best in the business, in my opinion. You can get all both of both of our full prop cards for the Super Bowl uh, at bettingpredators.com and our premium package for subscribers. A lot of this stuff we're going to be posting for free as well. But if you want everything from unit sizes, what book to look at, et cetera, uh, you know, live prop updates in our Discord, we'll be doing this for the NBA soon as well. Uh, you can find all that information at bettingpredators.com and our subscriber page. Uh, we're going to have a lot of free content coming out from now through probably Saturday night. Um, Ben Martinez, shout out to him. He does a lot of research for us behind the scenes. You can find him on uh, on Twitter at on a heater with some underscores in there. Uh, but he's he did a really awesome article, which we'll be publishing by the time this podcast comes out uh, on the officiating crew and some penalty props that are worth looking at. Uh, this is gonna be a really in depth article, but I think it's absolutely worth reading and not just skimming to the bottom for some picks. Uh, so just continue to keep your eye on bettingpredators.com throughout the week and the weekend here on Friday, Saturday, even in the Sunday morning. Uh, definitely would like to do some more analysis. I'm sure I'm going to add some add some stuff to my card too, but uh, we're going to be putting out a lot of free content, a lot of content for subscribers, and you can go to our website right now, check out our NBA props package we're launching after the Super Bowl ends, and then check out even more free NFL content uh, as well. So if you, want, if you have any questions on that, you want to deal on that, hit me up on Twitter. We can hook it up. But uh, other than that, we appreciate everyone listening and uh, – I know I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be sad to see the NFL season leave, but for now, it's kind of a sigh of relief that it's almost here. We've we've grinded our faces off all year long and uh, ready for a break. But I'm sure probably within two weeks after the Super Bowl, and I'm going to be missing it already. So we'll we'll, we'll see how that goes, and uh, we'll see if I'm going to be uh, how, how much I'm going to be out of commission if the Bengals actually wind up winning this thing. Well, I've been trying to talk you into the Bengals all year. It finally, took you only you know 18 weeks to finally catch up. So. <laughs> Uh, I am happy that your Bengals are here. Yeah, I, I, you, you finally bought, like, I finally bought in, like, last night. I was on eBay for, like, two hours looking at uh, what type of Bengals gear was out there, man. It's like, right now, it's like there's, like, a shortage of supplies on Evan McPherson jerseys, on, like, all the Cincinnati Bengals official shop gear and everything like that. I, I'm on eBay looking at, like, Akili Smith and uh, Takeo Spikes, like, used jerseys, like, on eBay from people, random people selling them and stuff like that and hiking up the prices, so... I'm all in. I got, I got to upgrade. Like, like I still only have the Rudy Johnson, uh, the Peter Warwick, and the Chad Johnson. So I'm still trying to figure out, like, do I go Jamar Chase? Do I go Joe Burrow? I might even go defense, man. I might get, I might grab like a Mike Hilton uh, or uh, even a Trey Hendrickson jersey. So I'm definitely win or lose. I, I will definitely have some new Bengals gear, some fresh gear to kick off the 2022 season. That's for sure. And you hear this, you wonder why teams want to make the Super Bowl. They make a lot of money. Um, and Chris will probably contribute, you know, to the Bengals fund uh, one way or another. Either way, I think you're going to end up with a New Jersey, you know, come next year. I do want to bring up one thing, Chris, and, and I guess I'll throw this out there. If you guys are like the if you're one of the first three people that buy the NBA package because we just put it up. Nobody's bought any yet. If you're one of the first three people to buy it next year, you're going to get the NFL free. So first three guys to take care of take care of that. If you get the NBA you'll get the NFL package next year free uh, on us. So uh, just get over there and get that because the NBA is starting up. You know, we're, we're missing out on Luca 51-point career game nights. But uh, anyway, excited for the – I'm excited for the NBA too, Chris, because the, the NFL season, dude, like 
that one extra week, man, dude, it made this, it made the, it made the, the season feel really, really long, but, um, that's that. So that, that'll wrap it up guys. Check us out on Twitter, sleep with underscore pregame at mad journalist. We'll have more, more Super Bowl stuff. I'm sure uh, you guys also know where to get the rest of the guys, uncle Dave smooth, uh, Mackenzie rivers. You know where he's at Steve, uh, all of us, coach J rod, all of us, you guys know where to find us. So, uh, hopefully you guys do well again. Don't go crazy. Don't, don't, don't get thrown out of the house. Everything will be cool. Um, but uh, that's that. So uh, hopefully you guys do well for the Super Bowl. Uh, you guys know where to find us, bettingpitters.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for the big game. Enjoy the big game. <laughs>